Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Glad you're all here this morning. Hey, you saw the little video teaser earlier. Next week is Vision Sunday, and um, I am super excited and halfway afraid. Uh, the Lord has put some things in our hearts. We're praying and headed toward them now and some bold initiatives, some big things, some exciting things. It's going to take God to do and it's going to take all of us together to do. And I'm just super excited about it. Do not miss out on that. And I'll be unfolding that and uh, unveiling that next Sunday uh, morning on Vision Day. So you want to be here with us for that. Amen. Amen. I said amen. 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 Hey, uh, we're finishing up our series this morning called New View. And as I've told you in recent weeks, nothing new about it, really. It's, it's having to do with how the culture around us views us. And unfortunately, Christianity, church, Christians at large, uh, we have an image problem. Not that we're trying to uphold some kind of image, but here's our job. We have so many negative perceptions blocking that the, the unfortunate thing is, is then that people would, would not be interested in or even reject Jesus and his message. Did y'all hear what I said? Amen. That somehow we would get in the way, that Christians, Christians would get in the way of people wanting to receive Jesus. And so that's the thing that really pains me and that we must do a great job at. I do believe, and with all our hearts, the entire history of this church, we've tried to avoid just the norm of what I think church sometimes reduces itself to. We wanted to have genuine relationship with God and be salt and be light and be sugar in, in our community where we're called to. But the important thing is for us, we can't fix everybody, but we can sure look at us and make sure that we're, we're presenting ourselves, not, in a, not giving culture necessarily a new view. Like I said, it might be a new view for them, but it's the way that God has intended all along for us to conduct ourselves in the, in the world. Amen. And so we've spent a number of weeks looking at that. Today, I want to move on. And if I have a subtitle, it would be this, Real Deal. Everybody say, Real Deal. And so let's start right out in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus said this. He said, let your light, everybody say, my light. Let your light so what? Shine before men, before the culture around you, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, Paul writes, he says, so that you, say that's me, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, watch this, in a warped and crooked generation. Is that timely or what? And then verse 16, then you will, here it is again, shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So there's not compromise in this. We're clearly the children of God, clearly holding on to God's word, the authority of scripture and the standards that we're called to live in. But there's a way that we can live where we shine. Everybody say shine again. Shine sometimes happens because we reflect, you know, I'm wearing powder on my forehead today so I don't shine as much. You can only do so much. Okay. And I'm not comfortable with a hat. 
Um, so we shine, but also we shine because there's something within us. And I believe both things should happen, that we should be reflecting God's goodness to the world around us, and then there also should be the life of God within us that causes us to shine. We're to do things that, that will cause people to look favorably toward God. And we're to live in such a way that it will give the culture around us a new view of God and the things of God. It boils down to this, how well we love, what we believe, and how we live. How well we love, love what we believe, and how we live. And that produces a good faith that I believe um, is, is desirable by all who would run into that in reality. Here's a quote, and I, I gave this to you a couple weeks ago, but our demeanor is virtually as important as our doctrine. Our demeanor is, a, is virtually as important as our doctrine. How we carry ourselves, how we present ourselves, how we present the things of God is as virtually important as our doctrine, what we believe. Some people are only interested in making their point. And what we need to do is make a connection so that we can actually get the message to people instead of just you know, dogmatically making our point. Are you with me so far? Um, The scripture tells us that God's truth endures to all generations, all generations. I'm blessed and we celebrate the fact that this is a multicultural, multi-generational church. That's the way I think it should be. And we have, we probably have about five generations worshiping together today. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. It's the first time in, in, you know, probably since about the time of, I don't know, Abraham or something that, you know, and so... People are living a little bit longer again, and we have all those generations, and we believe that we're to minister to all of those generations. Um, I shared with you on the first week of this series some cultural issues of different generations and how they are now viewing Christianity and the church and kind of marginalizing it more and more. Well, probably the biggest bulk right in the middle of the generation that is dealing with this the most and holding a negative perception toward Christianity, the church, Christians, and so forth, the Bible, would be what are called millennials. Millennials. Millennials, here's a, a composite picture of millennials. If you were born between 1982 and 2002, any millennials here? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, good. Don't be shy. It's okay. Um, it's the largest living generation right now, millennials. So if you're 34 or under, and then there's another generation coming up, um, then you're a millennial. I'm not a millennial anymore. Um, um, Millennials now have flooded into school, into college, and into the workplace, and will eventually take over and replace baby boomers, and will be the next great generation. And there's something very, very important to millennials super important in studies and surveys with millennials. It is important to all generations, but for some reason it is a particular high value to millennials, and it is this, authenticity. Authenticity. If you're fake about things, and especially when we come to, you know, the gospel and Jesus and what we're presenting, immediate turnoff. Uh, They've been saturated with trying to be sold things, taken advantage of, and so many other things. They've watched religion in a lot of ways lack power, lack relevance. And so if it's not genuine, if it doesn't ring true with them, they don't have time for it. And so this is in in particular an area that we want to be aware of for all generations 
generations, and it's the issue of authenticity. And that's why I've called this today real deal. We want to be real deal. When we talk about generations, it's important that we realize this too. It only takes one generation, one generation for a truth to die. One generation lives it, and if they don't effectively pass it on to the next generation, that generation only remembers it. And then if someone's not revived in this generation concerning that truth, then the next generation will reject it altogether. And that's the core of what we're dealing with now, is there's been a generational erosion of truth and how things are presented. And so some only remember, some are living in the life and power of God. I pray that we are. Others, they're just remembering it. And then others are rejecting it. And that's the importance of this new view. Peter wrote about the genuineness of our faith, that our faith would be real, genuine. He likened it to uh, the value of it is more precious than gold, more precious than gold, the genuineness of our faith. And you will find, we find, that people will be more open to you, more receptive to you and your message, to us and our message, once they observe the genuine, authentic joy of God in your life. Do you hear what I said? If you have in your life an authentic, genuine joy of life in God, in you, people will be open to you. They'll be open to your message. Now, if you're religious, you know, and harsh, and all the things that the negative perceptions hold, self-righteous, exclusive, whatever, you change your voice when you order a cheeseburger. (laughs) I don't have the happy meal. You know, just, just... Just be real, okay? That we're just our, ourselves. But here's the thing. When there's something real on the inside of us, real deal, the joy of God in our life, I'm telling you what, that will ring true with people and they'll be more open to you and consequently more open to the message. Amen. So the question is, do people see that in you? Do they see Jesus really in you? Or do they see just a church-going religious person? Or is there a genuine something that is shining out of you? A genuine something that is resonating out of your life. Real joy, the genuine joy of God. God's ultimate answer to the generations and to our culture is not an explanation, but rather incarnation. Do you hear me? So the answer is not explanation. It's not for us to learn some things and go talk, 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 talk. The real answer, as it has always been, is incarnation. Now, original incarnation is God, through Jesus, putting on flesh, incarnation, and living and dwelling among us. Now that is expressed not only through God putting on flesh through Jesus, but it is expressed through you and I, Christ in us. Christ in us. The real deal, Christ in us. Not I go to church, I do religious things, I've got three Bibles with my name on them. But real deal, relationship with God, Christ in us. A relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Incarnation, that's the answer for our culture. Now a big metaphor in scripture is that of fruit. Everybody say fruit. I've got a basket of fruit here and we'll come to that in just just a little bit here, but that's a big 
metaphor in scripture. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, he said, a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. And the message paraphrase, it says this, the fruit tells you about the tree. The fruit tells you about the tree. So if you're walking around, you can tell if it has fruit, that's an apple tree. That's an orange tree. That's an ice cream tree. You know what, whatever it would be. Wouldn't that be awesome? What does it say about you? The fruit tells about the tree. And we're likened to a tree in scripture. Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17, we're a tree. What kind of fruit do we have? You know, we have kind of a summary description, a summary description of what our fruit should be. We call it happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. That is our goal, that we want people to see that in us. Not something we put on, not some way that we kind of act, but it's real deal in us that we genuinely would be a people, not a perfect people, but a consistent people that consistently were happy. Come on, help me out. Happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. And the tree, excuse me, the fruit tells you about the tree. And that's why we want to have that in our life. Now, regarding fruit, let's look at, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, look at this, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I love that. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Read them with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And look at this. There is no law against these things, which means this. No one's going to be against that. No one's going to be against you being kind and patient and peaceful and joyful and all of the things that we just list. Nobody's against that. But that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what I believe the fruit of the Holy Spirit actually is altogether? It's the personality of God. And what we want is not, I do religious things, I go to religious meetings. No, not that. But that we would have the personality of God actually starting to come out of us. Amen. Not just, I'm going to try to be more peaceful, try to be more patient. No, we're, we're not. It's the work that the Holy Spirit would produce in us would cause us to be that way. If you're still with me, bob your head, say amen, something here. Now, fruit, get this, fruit is the result of a process. Fruit is the result of a process, and don't miss this, and there's no shortcut. That's why we have so many pink tomatoes at the grocery store. They're trying to quicken it up and just pump them full of water and just get them there. I don't buy no pink tomatoes. Y'all with me? All right. Red, deep red, all right? And tomatoes are actually fruit. But fruit is the result of a process, and there is no shortcut. You cannot take, somebody stole some of my fruit. (laughs) You don't take and staple this to a tree. You don't duct tape this to a tree. You don't lick it and stick it to a tree. Are are you all with me? Um, There's a process that takes place. And fruit is the result of a process. Now, for us as believers, the process that's going to produce fruit is called, you ready for this? Spiritual disciplines. And I just heard y'all go, 
because it's spiritual disciplines. Listen to me. Look at me. Don't miss this. It's not drudgery. These are not things I've got to add to my list of things that I already don't get done. This is not some religious checklist. This actually, spiritual disciplines, as we start to make them a part of our life, they actually produce joy and freedom and strength and depth and consistency. And we're going to be able to overcome things. Listen, some of you have been fighting to overcome some things for decades. Can I tell you what your answer is? The process of spiritual disciplines will produce a new fruit in you. You're getting what you're getting in your life because of a process that's going on in your life. And when you start spiritual disciplines, though, and we're just going to talk about them briefly. We talk about it all the time, actually. And it's what's to be happening in our daily life. It's our holy habits. It's our practices. It's our day-by-day. Many of you wear the bracelet as I do, day-by-day. It's it's how you live life. You just do this day-by-day. And as you apply these things in your life on a day-by-day process, fruit is the, is, is the product of that. And um, after all, we are disciples. Yes. We're disciplined learners. Amen. Amen. So spiritual disciplines bring about what we call formation. Formation. Everybody say formation. Amen. So the fruit is formed by the process of spiritual disciplines. Don't make it harder than it is. Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He said, I'm laboring, I'm working. I'm laboring like a woman in childbirth pain, straining and, and striving and in pain, but for a purpose. And he says, my purpose is this, is that Christ would be formed in you. Do you hear me? He didn't say that you would become religious, but that Christ would be formed in you. The message paraphrase puts it this way, that Christ's life becomes visible in your life. Christ's life becomes visible in your life. So what disciplines do, they enhance and they protect a growing, genuine relationship with God through Jesus. I'll say it again. When I'm involved, when I engage myself in spiritual disciplines, we'll talk about what a few of them are this morning. When I make that a part of my life, I just make that a part of my life. I don't have to act religious I don't have to put on, I don't have to strive to do, it's instead of trying, it's training. Trying is pass fail. Training is I'm getting better. There's a big difference. And spiritual disciplines in our life, this, this enhances and it protects a growing, genuine relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The opposite of that then would be posing or being religious or inconsistent at best. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and he said, watch out for these kinds of people, people who have a form of godliness, but no power. Look at me for this. Form without power is why we have the problem we have today with a negative perception. Form without power. Form without power. So we must have form, but we must have power. Imagine a lifeguard and uh, part of our vacation this, this past summer, we were at the beach a couple of days. And Alicia and I would get up early so we could watch the sunrise. And it's like, I don't want to go do this. And then as soon as you're out there, it's like, oh, so glad I did this. And it's just a reminder of how little we are and how big God is. And it's never the same. It's just always there. He, he does all things well. It's good for you to get out and look around a little bit. And we even noticed then after the sun was up, the lifeguards would come out. 
and they would run up and down the beach and train and, and then they pull out their little uh, towers that they would get on. And imagine a lifeguard who had the, uh, the official lifeguard swim trunks, got the little deal. They're tanned, they're toned, a lot like myself. I, I get mistaken for a lifeguard all the time. Um, anyway, um, they've got a whistle. They got the little floaty thing. They got zinc on their nose. They climb up in the tower and look around. And then somebody, help, help. And they run to the edge of the water and they go, I can't swim. (laughs) Guess what? That only needs to happen once or twice. And people would lose confidence in what? In the lifeguard. And so if church, you know, if, if it's supposed to be all these things and it doesn't have any power, when trouble comes to your life or to your family or your body or whatever the situation would be and there's no power to help and there's, there's no genuine love and there's no all of those things, then you know what? The form without power is part of what got us here. And when you neglect spiritual disciplines, you'll have no formation and you'll have no fruit. And so what we end up with is real fruit and fake fruit. And I went shopping yesterday. And I've got real fruit and I've got fake fruit. Form without power and the real deal. One has a smell and a taste and juice and nutrition and seeds. And the other is good only for decorations and collecting dust. And so if this is our message, if this is our life, David, I'm going to throw one of these to you. And if I throw the fake one to you, I'll toss it. If I throw the fake one to you, I want you to send it back. Okay? And that's what happens with our message. Do you hear me? But if I send the real deal, you're welcome to it, bro. It's yours. I'd wash it, though. (laughs) We don't want to be plastic fruit. I don't want to be religious and have no power in my life, have no joy in my life. We want to be the real deal. Everybody say real deal. Okay, I've got to hurry really quick here. There are many disciplines that we need to have in our life. But I want to share with you kind of some new ways to view a couple of disciplines, okay? First one is this, immersed in Scripture. Everybody say it, immersed in Scripture. Immersed in Scripture instead of entertainment. We're living in the most entertained culture ever. Studies, recent studies show that the average American spends three hours a day watching television, not even counting all the time you're playing games and doing all the other stuff on other screens. Three hours a day over the course of one week. That's almost one day out of your week that you spent watching television. And over the course of your lifetime, 10 years watching television. And I would suggest to you that's not really helping us that much. 
And so we need to be immersed in scripture. I say it to you all the time, daily exposure to and intake of the word of God. Daily exposure to and intake of the word of God. And then find some narrative Bibles like the Message Bible and some others where you can read it as God's grand narrative. When is the last time you snuggled up with the Bible? I'm going to snuggle up with the Bible and read for a while. No, we read all kinds of other hideous stories and historical and whatever else. You know, I don't want to upset everybody, but I want to to get everybody immersed in Scripture. Amen. Secondly would be this. Observe the Sabbath and the assembly. Observe the Sabbath and the assembly as opposed to endless productivity and endless play. And our culture is also so guilty of endless productivity. I've got to get more done, got to get more done, got to get more done. And we never rest or endless play, endless play, endless play. And the scripture commands us that we observe a Sabbath and keep it holy. And that's a time where we cease and stop and rest. Cease, stop, rest. If your workbench is piled high with work of things I've got to get done, there comes a time where you just say, I'm going to act as if this is completely done because I have to Sabbath. I have to stop. I have to cease. I have to rest. And the scripture also commands us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Listen to me. And I know you're here, but don't make church optional. Thirdly would be this fasting for simplicity. Fasting for simplicity instead of just consuming more and more and more. Give up something for a season. You know, give up something for a season. I dare you. Double dog dare you. Take 40 days off of social media. Well, I heard the pain. (laughs) I can't breathe. I don't know if they like me anymore or not. Give up some things. Fast for a little while. Deny yourself these things for a little bit of a while. And give that time to God and watch what he will do. And here's ultimately what it means. We need to simplify your life. There's just too much going on in your life. Let me put it to you this way. Less buying and less busy. Less buying and less busy. Next is this. Choose embodiment. Choose embodiment instead of being divided. You know, uh, and I'm referring to our phones. We've been guilty of it. My family, we try to hold each other accountable for it. But if you didn't see the phone in some people's hands, you would think there's a medical condition or an emotional problem. <laughs> Seriously. And if I see somebody driving bad and I get up by them, and don't accuse just young people of doing it. I passed a lady, she had to be 104 the other day. She, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So she had two things going against her. She's old and had a phone, okay, and driving. How about this? Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. And then lastly, postured by prayer. Postured by prayer. Instead of self-control, why don't we give God control? Why don't we say, God, you're my center, you're my power, you're my source, you're my help, and pray. And do you know what? You know what happens? Prayer changes the prayer. The prayer. Prayer changes the asker. And you know where I give up control and give up the worry of how am I going to fix this? How am I going to handle that? You know what? By postured by prayer, I know where my help comes from. Amen. 
And I'm starting a series two weeks from today called The Power of Prayer. And we're going to learn how to pray, the kind of prayer that changes your life, changes your family, changes this church, changes this community, changes things around you because there is power in prayer. And we've got to get people, people praying the right way. Amen. So formation takes place as we engage in spiritual disciplines and fruit is produced. And there is no shortcut. Everybody say, there is no shortcut. I am finally proud after about a decade, I'm finally proud of my yard. And every time one of the guys comes in the neighborhood, you know, from the different lawn companies, they'll spray your lawn and fix up. They always come to my house. Sir, I noticed your yard. I think you could help. We could help you. And I'm going, get out of my yard. I don't know. But I'm finally, and, and we, we've paid companies for years, and they come and spray, and they fertilize and all that, and still I have 11 different kinds of patches of grass just all over, and lots of dirt in between. But something happened in this last year. A friend of mine helped me get my irrigation fixed. And now every, on a regular, consistent basis, my yard gets watered. There was no shortcut. I thought about, can we spray paint this? Can we, like they do the end zones at games, can we just do, and you know what? Now we have the real deal, and it's, it's, the, it's the produce, it's the product of a process that consistently happens. I still have 11 different types of grass, but they've all joined hands now, okay? <laughs> it's green, it's beautiful. Listen to this. This is what we want in our lives. The power of the Spirit and incarnation, Christ in us. And think about this. The power of the Spirit and incarnation, that's how it all started in the first place. Amen. And that makes us a real deal. And it gives the culture around us a new view. And when the people around us observe the true, genuine joy of God in our life, they're going to be more open to us Amen. and more open to our message. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.